and thank you for coming back for episode 99 of the Motorific Podcast. Uh, just It has been a while since so we introduced ourselves, so just in case you forgot who we were, I'm Joanne. This is my awesome co-host, Christy. And uh, good morning. We are very early in the morning here on a Monday just for you. And we thank you for your patience, for waiting for 99. I hope you loved 98. Based on the click-throughs, I see a lot of people have been at least reading that page, if not listening to it. We're going to get caught up, and Chrissy's going to tell us all about her dream solo vacation and how that went. And then we got a few stories, a few fun things you've hopefully seen on the Facebooks and the Instagram recently, including some news about uh, Shalena Moreda. And I've got an article that I just published on Women ADV Writers Magazine that I want to share. And I want to touch briefly on my uh, time with Laura uh, last week when I had a little party for her writing jeans. So I want to tell you a little bit about that. And I don't know, whatever else we want to talk about. And when Joanne's talking, I will try to keep the coffee slurps to a minimum. Because <laughs> I don't have any. It's fine. I'm, I'm awake now, I think. All right. So why don't we let's jump into the fun stuff. Tell us about your trip. Tell us where you went. Tell us how long you went. Tell us what you rode. And if you didn't mm-hmm. follow her at all on her Instagram feed, just go check it out right now. Instagram.com slash Motorific Media. You do not have to be a member to actually see just the photos on the internet like that. You don't have to log in. You can actually see all, the whole feed there. Um, or on Facebook. So tell us what yeah. happened. So I'm still I'm still progressing through my trip. So <laughs> on uh, on Instagram. So if you stay tuned, uh, you're probably about like a week in. Um, basically, I turned forty in September, and I wanted to do something epic for my birthday. And a couple of ideas that I had kind of fell through, and just didn't quite measure up, or I wasn't um, as typically as excited about uh, the upcoming trip as I would be. So I decided was it right for at least now. And one of the things that uh, I happened to see over the summer was a uh, LA Times journalist, his name's Charles Fleming, was doing some riding in the Alps. And some of the pictures that he posted were just freaking amazing. And once he publishes that on LA Times, I will make sure to circle back and let you guys know where you can find that story. But I reached out to Charles and I said, hey, I think my my vacation plans that I had originally put together are going to fall through. So if you, by any stretch, can share some of your notes, I would love that because some of the places you went to were awesome. So he did indeed share his notes. Um, Like I said, the story for him hasn't been published yet. I don't even know if I'm going to write up anything at this point. But uh, basically, I flew into Germany. I rented a KTM Duke 690R. The R variant is not found in the U.S. That's kind of like a supermoto style. And I rented that for two weeks, and I rode all over the Alps and a lot of really great mountain passes in, let's see if I can nail all these countries, Um, not so much mountain passes in Germany, but uh, Liechtenstein, Switzerland, Italy, Austria, I already mentioned Switzerland. (laughs) I went to Hungary. I went through the Czech Republic. 
Um, basically hit about 10 countries in the, in the full stretch France. Um, so yeah, some of those passes were, uh, Gross Glockner and of course Stelvio, which I hit on my actual birthday and a couple of passes in Austria and Switzerland that were also, uh, very beautiful. And of course, when I packed my whole, um, weather outlook, as far as I remember, and I don't know where exactly I looked, but clearly it wasn't uh, correct. I did not pack with layers. <laughs> I packed with the notion that there was suddenly a heat wave and that everything was going to be hot. So there were a lot of tank tops that stayed in one corner of my bag for the entire trip. Never got oh. worn. Uh, fortunately for me, though, my uh, friend, I stayed with uh, one of my girlfriends and my goddaughter, um, and uh, spent some time with them because they live in uh, northern Germany, and I never really get to see her, so I see her every four years. And she looked at my pack job, and she looked at uh, what I had and said, take the sweater. My ex-husband gave it to me. <laughs> I hate it. If you happen to leave it on the side of the road, I don't care, but you're going to need it. <laughs> so just take it with you. And uh, you can actually see it stick out from underneath the... Um, the Revit Levante jacket because I took a jacket that was going to be well vented because I was anticipating lots of hot temperatures, but the reality was uh, quite different. And I think looking back on planning, I would have taken the um, the Gore-Tex uh, suit that Revit made. The legacy it. starts, yeah, legacy. I was like legend, um, just because it was more cold than hot. I was expecting more hot than cold. I think there was about one or two hot days out of the three weeks I was in Europe. So I really didn't have a lot of plans other than putting a couple of waypoints on Google Maps where the passes were so I could make sure that I hit them. And I didn't make any reservations because typically um, fall for me and usually where I go is the off season. In the last couple of years that I've traveled outside of the country, it's been really, really quiet, and I've been the only person on the road. So enter Europe, where you are not the only person on the road, and it is pretty much in full swing every day of the year except when there's snow on the ground. So I was quite surprised. Um, of course, I went there during um, Oktoberfest, so that kind of messed up my uh, plans within Germany. But um, yeah, I think I saw collectively more motorcycles on the road that I've ever seen in my life. And I've never been to Sturgis, but I think it, it at least eclipsed about a half million motorcycles in the full two weeks that I was riding. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, beautiful uh, landscapes, lots of green, lots of moments where it was uh, the sound of music like, however, I'm not a huge fan of that movie. So what? her soundtrack wasn't really in <clears> my <throat> head. Sorry. <laughs> oh, come on, Julie Andrews, come on. I, re I replaced it with the sound of brap. Um, okay, that's much better. But, but uh, the sound of a, a KTM buzzing through tight corners. Um, something the trip did teach me. Uh, not ever saying that I am a professional by any stretch as far as writing is concerned. Um, I all, always think that there's something that we can refine skills-wise in our, in our skill set for motorcycling. But I can definitely tell you that hard uphill banked rights so oh, you're going up up a switchback sounds back. so fun <laughs> it does i say that real yeah. not sarcastic that sounds awesome 
Yeah, it's the it's the hard uphill on the right. Um, so in other words, you you really have to lean the bike over and give it some gas to do a very tight right in order to stay on your side of the road on a very narrow road, and that's really not like something that is. Uh, I need to become more proficient in those environments. There are a couple of, I wouldn't say close calls because I was up early enough to avoid lots of car traffic, but definitely I, I could have tucked it in a little bit more on some of the, <laughs> on some of the hard rights. So, um, without incident, I'm very happy about that. Um, and yeah, so I'm sure we'll, we'll be chatting a little bit more. I can tell you that trying to find places for me was a mixture of Airbnb and drop-in and booking.com which uh, has its hit and miss unfortunately because a lot of the photos I found on booking.com were not representative of the places that I stayed and uh, let's see and just hotels hotels off the internet so yeah but uh, yeah sorry it's uh, just after 6am for me and I didn't get any sleep last night because there was this little critter that was rooting around somewhere in my wall so oh (laughs) it's okay and we can retouch uh, part two of your trip on a hundred oh yeah and and then when you get some more photos but we'll um, yes no we'll post definitely post some more photos uh, in the post for the show notes uh, I guess we haven't talked since '97. Since before I left. Yeah, and that, mm-hmm. and when did you leave again? What date? Um, Augustish. August. That's right. So I went to the rally. I think while you mm-hmm. were out, right? Well, you were something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. The rally was September. I think the rally was over my birthday. 8th. Yeah, it was over the first weekend, second weekend of September. So I guess I was doing that. Uh, I think if you followed my feed, you saw some photos. We um, trailered our bikes down. And I know you're not supposed to trailer your bikes places, but I am not riding 800 miles on my bike in one day. It's not going to happen. I don't care where I'm going. It's never going to happen. I don't have a gold wing. Even if I had a gold wing, I don't think I still would want to do that in a whole day. So we trailered with the Jeep. I do want to shout out to the trailer we borrowed, which is a Revzilla perk. So if you work at Revzilla.com, one of the perks is access to the Kendon folding motorcycle trailer. And anyone can reserve it. You just have to follow the protocols to reserve it in advance and make sure it comes back the way you left it. Uh, They left it with you and it will trail two bikes, two sport bikes or three little dirt bikes maybe. But it's got three wheel chocks on it and it folds in half. So if you need a motorcycle trailer that has suspension also for uh, you know, trailing motorcycles and not just a utility like hauling dirt to the dump. Uh, the Kendon trailer is awesome. It folds in half in your garage. It comes with a little ramp that hooks to itself. Um, and then when you're trailering it, you do have to put the little ramp in the back, but it's, it's, it's a skinny, you know, four foot wide 
little ramp or three foot wide and we just put it right in the back of the Jeep with our stuff. So it was great. You just get really good tie downs. Uh, we put one on each side. It was awesome. So if you're looking for an awesome motorcycle trailer, check out Kendon, K-E-N-D-O-N. And the one that we used was the sport bike trailer because they also have a cruiser trailer, which is, I think, wider. And there's only maybe two wheel chocks, not three. I'm, I can't remember. But wouldn't a cruiser one be weighted for rate different or rated for probably rated for weight? I, oh boy. I would think so. <laughs> uh, I, I yeah, guess because they're heavier. Probably they look different too. like the number of chocks, I think, are different and the layout and the way that this one, the sport bike one is there's three chocks, but the center one is a little more forward by like six inches. So the we use the two on the outside. And we had to actually put mine on the left and his on the right uh, strategically for mounting. Excuse me. I'm just getting over a little bit of a a cold this week. Yeah, which is why we didn't record last week. My bad. So (laughs) we used the trailer and then we got down there uh, Friday morning. So we drove all night, all day Thursday, and then Friday morning drove right into Deals Gap. We stayed at the Fontana Village Resort, which is a pretty interesting place to stay. You know, it's like a one of those like family vacation resorts, you know, where you go and you take your kids and there's tennis courts and there's frisbee golf and there's a pool and then there's a field to go play football and then there's, you know, a game room. So there's all these like activities if you have your family with you, there's a fire pit. Um, there's, you know, you can actually rent the fire pit for your event. There's cabins if you want to stay with your family in a little house and have a kitchen and a living room and like cook, you can do that. Or you can stay in the lodge, you know, so it's one of those kinds of places. Um, but it was it was cool. And we were able to ride a little bit on Saturday um, the workshops were all afternoon, so I did three different, two different workshops, and I did one on helmet fit, and then I did another one on lowering your sport bike or things you can do to avoid lowering your sport bike, which is always my recommendation. And then, uh, you know, we had a little bonfire. It was really fun. And then uh, on Sunday, it was just a bike wash. We washed bikes, raised a little bit of money for the Skin Cancer Foundation charity. And then uh, after the event was over, we went up to Elkins, West Virginia. Excuse me. And Elkins is at the top of West, toward the top of West Virginia, really close to the border of PA. And I thought that was a good place to like hang out and then go riding. And then we're only a day away from home. It was only a 350 mile uh, drive home. So we hung out there. The riding was really good, of course, up in that part of West Virginia. We actually rode into Ohio. Who knew Ohio? There's like this one little cluster of of, uh, roads that we found. And it was super fun. We found some really nice, twisty, uh, just kind of mountainy roads that crossed us into Ohio. And then we crossed back over into West Virginia at the end of the day. I think we did like 400 miles that day. We just went 
really far out, further out than I expected, honestly. But it was super fun because we got to actually go do some really deep, twisty riding. And um, it did rain, though. So we kind of hung out really in Elkins for like half the day. You know, we stayed there for two nights and we only rode one day because the weather sucked when we got in. It was raining all day. But we actually found probably one of the best Italian restaurants I've ever eaten at in this little coal mining old town. Yeah. And it was so good. I posted photos on my Instagram feed when we were there. I had (laughs) the best shrimp scampi I think I've ever had. And it turns out it's because back in the coal mining days, they had immigrants come in and work. So they had immigrants coming into West Virginia to work the coal mines from all over the world. They had Italian immigrants, German immigrants, Russian, all kinds. And somebody was uh, saying that they even had to have they had to have like interpreters for the coal miners and then the people who own the coal mines. But the the towns there, I mean, basically, they a lot of these immigrants settled in these different towns and uh that's why there's really good italian food in elkins west virginia it was delicious the pizza was outstanding too it was just it was great it was like that was a fun find i'll post a link to what that restaurant is it was it's a really really great place i highly recommend it uh the town is so cute it's very small there was one main street where we stayed it was next to the um Oh, God, was it like a, I can't remember if it was a, a veterans, a UFW. What are the, wrote, like, what are the veterans, like, little union clubs that where they gather? Is it the VFW? Um, yeah, Veterans of Foreign War. Yeah, they, they had, a, there was a little one right there. And at one point we heard bagpipes and they, <laughs> someone was playing bagpipes and, they're like marching around the VFW and then they marched uh, through the main street and you can hear them doing a little bagpipe parade. It was really fun. So that's what we did kind of the week we spent at the rally down at the Dragon and then we went uh, up to West Virginia. It was great. I hope to go back to West Virginia very soon. Nice. Always one of my favorite places to go riding pretty sure we have listeners that are specific to West Virginia as well. I'm sure we do and they probably know all about Elkins and all the riding around there. Yeah, it was just really good riding. The weather just sucked so we really couldn't do a lot of the riding we wanted to do. I think it was really leftover rain from the hurricanes from Irma. Mm -hmm. So we just were driving away from it and actually I think that weekend is when Irma hit the Carolinas. So we just Mm -hmm. left because it was... Yeah, it was coming in really hard down there. Yeah, see, for me, when they forecast rain in Europe, it's like a, it's a trickle. <laughs> so I canceled and stayed in one of my um, overnight locations for an extra day because I thought that the weather was going to be a bit challenging, and it oh. turns out it was just kind of misty. Oh. So really, the only day that I was trapped in rain, I was heading towards Budapest, and it was... a. Uh, short-ish ride day and I can tell you that it's been a while since I've been in just pouring torrential rain and fortunately I was just on a freeway I wasn't on a a high mountain pass but um, going around an 18-wheeler it's like a tornado 
of water that just rotates outside of uh. the um, outside of the truck. So basically, every time I tried to pass a eighteen wheeler, I would end up getting nailed <laughs> with a ton of water, and it'd just be uh, uh, exciting and miserable at the same time. Did you say dry? Um, well, I mean, I wasn't planning on hitting too much rain. Oh, I can tell you one thing. Um, so I thought I was going to be all smart because there would only be one or two rain days. So I thought I would just cruise over to like a hardware store and pick up a pretty inexpensive pair of rain gear. Well, that would be a good idea. Um, if I would have checked the inseam length, (laughs) So when you're wearing pants that are connected to suspenders, sure, they'll go all the way down to your ankles because you can adjust the suspenders. But if you don't notice how short the inseam is when you get on your motorcycle, suddenly the pants or your ankles are around your calves. Someone didn't (laughs) read my shopping rules before they bought rain gear. I sat there laughing, thinking, oh, we're going to talk about this, and Joanne's going to just shake her (laughs) head. So so fortunately for me, the adjustment was, I mean, there was no adjustment, but the the tops of my pants basically just hit where the Dainese uh, torqued-out boots were. And um, so I did get, the boots didn't get wet, but, eh, I mean, it's better than not having any rain gear at all, that's for sure. Yeah. wasn't too bad, but trying to find a place in Europe that has heat when it's had a hot day. For some reason in Budapest, they were telling me that, um, well, it was warm today, so we're running the air conditioning. I'm like, well, that's great. Can I run the heater in my room? And they're like, we can only do one. Mm. It's either all AC or all heat. And they didn't have one of those old school like metal thermostat dealies where you like invert all of your motorcycle gear and turn it on because that was what I was looking for. Um, They only had central because they had updated this particular wing of the hotel. So unfortunately, Um, I was using the blow dryer to (laughs) dry my uh, boots and uh, that pretty much worked. That's good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. In a pinch. It's traveling. It happens. Um, I just, my brain just shut off. So <laughs> I totally derailed you. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> so we had, you know, so we had both had some fun adventures while we were away from ourselves. Do you have anything else planned for the winter or anything like that until next spring? Mm-hmm. Kind of, but it it's motorcycle related, but I'm not going to be riding. So oh. I don't know. We'll see. Um, mm-hmm. I am going, uh, to check out a couple of the um, off-season or post-season motocross and supercross events. So I'll keep you posted on the outcomes of those. And, uh, yeah, I think for right now I just need to go back to work. <laughs> I've, I've got a, a three or four weeks of mounting things to do that are still um, a priority at the office, so... Things been a little crazy. You know, one of the things I noticed uh, while you were talking about your visit to amazing Italian food in the middle of West Virginia is that BMW has had a bunch of recalls. Oh. Mostly, well, of course, everybody knows about the fork recall um, for the BMW R1200 GS. 
issues with the front fork tubes, and that affected over 14,000 U.S. units, and that affected 2014 to 2017 BMW R1200GS and the GSA. There was also, um, let's see, 29,000 units affecting multiple models for uh, uh, optional aluminum luggage cases, which may block the view of the rear reflectors. Um, There's also a police bike recall, the R1200 RT, if you're a police officer lucky enough to be riding on one of those classy vehicles. Um, yeah. the, uh, the auxiliary lights that basically tell cars to pull over were having some issues. So there is a recall with those as well. And then BMW scooters, you're required to have a stamp on the uh, front wheel. And if you don't have that uh, stamp that advertises um, compliance with the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard, then there's no guarantee that what you say is actually um, accurate. So the BMW C650GT and C-Evolution models, just uh, 30 or so units of those were recalled. And let's see, the R9T had a recall, um, and that seemed to be a pretty serious one with a a bolt in the swing arm issue. Um, That recall affects... I don't think they gave a, oh, 3,300 units. And then um, more accessory turn signal issues. That recall affects 9,000 units across about 10, looks like, different models. So between that, <laughs> that and um, another uh, reflector issue, BMW's had a rough couple of months with seven recalls. Ouch. Well, call your dealer, get your bike in, get it fixed, take care of that. It's always free. Remember that warranty services are always free. Like a recall, you should never pay labor ever for that because the brand is supposed to be covering that, not you. So make sure your dealer doesn't charge you to fix the recall. And while most of these recalls aren't associated with um, critical engine points or swing arm bolts, um, only one or two, the visibility aspect of things is pretty important. So even though it might just be, oh, well, the turn indicator supposedly needs to be bigger, don't, don't wait on that, especially if you're riding at night, doing any sort of night riding. You don't want decreased vis- visibility more so than you already have. Oh, you know what we uh, weren't around for was Amexpo. That just happened. That too. Right? So all kinds of fun things. If you've never been to Amexpo, it was in Ohio, right? It was in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And Amexpo is like the product-centric uh, motorcycle show, it seems like. There's a lot of booths there from brands you don't ever see at the regular motorcycle shows like CD has a booth and Revit will have a booth um, all these different brands are coming in to also display what they have for dealers and shops um, you know in case you want to carry CD or you want to carry a particular product but it's also open to consumers so 
Uh, it's actually a great place if you're a consumer and you want to see the latest products from a particular brand. And sometimes they have bike launches. You know, they'll have different bikes. Uh, manufacturers show up. I think this year Yamaha was there and a few other big ones. So next year, it's in Vegas. Yeah, uh, Yamaha did an unveil for... Uh, not the FC07, not the FC09. Um, or six. Damn. The triple that I rode now comes in uh, a twin uh, XSR. Oh, XSR, so XSR, that's right. 700. That is now available for the U.S. market. The XSR 700 was available for the European market for quite a bit. So, yeah, uh, Vegas in 2018 and back to Columbus in 2019, supposedly. Oh, oh. I'm going to see if I can go to Vegas next year. I think that would be really cool. Always wanted to go to the expo. Right, right. Uh, We'll see. I'm going to try. So we missed that, but we'll post a link to that awesome event so you can check it out. In other events, I had a small party a week ago with my friend Laura from Worse for Wear. I hope you took a few minutes to listen to episode 98. Uh, We talked about, actually, you know, I'd say half the time we talked about riding pants in general and not just hers. So I hope you don't think it was just a sales pitch purely for her pant. But uh, we also talked about construction of riding pants and jeans and if you're shopping for jeans what should you look for because a riding jean isn't a substitute right for a technical riding pant or for like your street leathers or for more assertive riding and I I tried to at least give you some insight into why her jeans in particular are so special, why riding jeans are, they vary so much. And when you're shopping, things you really want to look at to know that the product is going to protect you. So I, I hope you'll you'll take a look at that, take a listen to that if you haven't already. But uh, I had her uh, visit us in Philly And I hosted a little party at my house so that some women could come over and try stuff on and get fitted and sized and measured. Because if you're a woman, you know how incredibly difficult it is just to buy a really good pair of pants, right? Just buying even regular jeans, right? Just buying your favorite pair of jeans to live in every day. That's a pain in the ass, for many mm-hmm. reasons, literally, right? Well, Christy knows. She knows it's a real big pain in the booty. So uh, it was really, really important because we had I had like four different women here with very different bodies. And she was able to measure and fit all of them. And they all are leaving with a custom pair of jeans and, and a perfect fit. And I have to admit, like when I tried a pair on that would be would be close to fitting me it fit better than my casual jeans like hmm. the fit on them was just so good uh in particular the higher rise because we don't ride with low rise jeans there, there there's really no point in that because you're completely exposed and you don't get the protection there just purely isn't any 
at all if your gene rise is too low. Not to mention that it can be a little cold. It can be chilly if you're, you know. You can get a really not so awesome burn if your jacket comes up based on your riding position. This happened years ago when I was wearing a pair of pants and a jacket (laughs) on a bike that I had for a a loner while my BMW was getting serviced. And it was a more forward riding position. Mm -hmm. And the jacket was not a hip length jacket. So when I leaned forward, I did not realize that this nice little crescent uh, was opening up (laughs) on the back. And so, of course, the last thing you do is put sunscreen on your lower back when you go for a motorcycle ride. So I ended up getting a tramp stamp burn (laughs) on my lower back. Nice. And I was like, oh. Nice. So, yeah. yeah. So, so pant rise, pant rise, pant rise, very important. Yes. So they had a spectacular fit, and I really like them as a jean, just as a pant. I thought they fit so good. But are they kind of stretchy? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the fit is so good that the stretch isn't as ne- ne- important because if you get a custom mm-hmm. measured pair, you don't have to worry because she's going to make them to fit you to where you don't really need that stretch. But they have a little mm-hmm. bit. Like just as much as any other riding gene would, like a couple percent, a few percent. Um, for me, my problem was riding position because I have pretty big calves for the slim fit pant that she had. And so my knees were too tight because as soon as I bend my knees, it just put a lot of pressure on the seams because my calves are just a little larger and... That's why I need a custom pair for my legs. So uh, it was just great. It was great to try something on and and really look at it. And uh, people were really, the ladies were very happy with what they tried on. I had a few photos on my Instagram and I posted some on my Facebook. So yeah, if you haven't had a chance to listen, I hope you'll take a listen. And what else in news? Um... A friend of ours, I don't know. You met Shalina, right? Have you met her? Mm-hmm. I've met her. I have. It's been a few, it's been a while since I've seen her last. I saw her at Moto America a couple of years ago. But Shalina Moreta, she's an international road racer. She also teaches dirt bike uh, camps back out in Petaluma, California, at her um, it's a cheesy riding school. Yep. So if you want to learn how to ride dirt bikes with Shalina, she's awesome. Uh, she just landed a contract with CoverGirl, and there's some photos. I actually shared a post on, I think, my Facebook uh, page about that. But, um, uh, yeah, they apparently they added a few different women kind of outside the, quote, modeling world as far as uh, their CoverGirls. Um, although cover girl, you know, real life, right. (laughs) Although they've, I've seen them add women who aren't, you know, your quintessential model like that. Ellen, she's a cover girl, um, spokesman. So they added not only her, but a couple of other women. They added another athlete. They also added an older woman. I can't remember what she does. Uh, but they added a few new, just different women to their CoverGirl campaign. 
And I thought that was really cool. But it it's not often that you see female motorcyclists brought into mainstream media like that. We don't have no, a so lot of women to do that. It's good for motorcycling. Very good. Because it increases visibility. I, I think so. Especially, um, especially what she does, which is so different than what you would think she does. Um, let's see, who else did they tap? They also got a Dominican fitness influencer named Massey Arias. And she's also a uh, brand ambassador. And who else did they add? They added a couple other really cool women as well. So just kind of interesting things happening uh, in our industry. What else? We also have a, a Honda unveil coming. Oh, which one? So 24th and 25th. Um, the guess is the unveil is related to a revamped uh, Goldwing. So October 24th and 25th, they are hosting journalists and uh, doing the global unveil from Southern California, I could say. And so look for um, posting on Ride Apart from me. So hopefully we'll be able to circle back together and talk a little bit after the fact. Oh. Uh, don't believe it's going to be a proper launch. So it's just going to be a model unveil. But um, hmm. Honda has been releasing a series of videos regarding uh, this particular unveil. So we will post links to take a look at those. Kind of cool little motorcycling vignettes. Well, I did see like rumors of a a new wing coming out. Yeah. Right? Is it like yeah, alluding so to that? I believe it might be. I think initially the commercials were a little bit more broad and a I think a, a leaked photo of the revamped Goldwing came out. Yes. And then there was a lot of speculation because when you start saying international model unveil, new model unveil, I suppose you can say new. Uh, it's hard to say new model if you've revitalized a model. And, you know, you're trying to keep things under wraps and add some suspense. But unfortunately, we're all very curious, especially when you run a campaign a good couple of months in advance. So you can't leave those motorcycle journalists uh, guessing. They'll just try to guess for you. Well, I'm going to also guess it's not an accidental leak, that it was, hmm. you know, probably an intentional one, I, you know, to get people talking about it and excited about it. I, I wouldn't be too surprised if it was something like that. So if you're a wing fan, stay tuned. Yeah, so that makes two large touring models for uh, both Yamaha and Honda revamping their big tours. What else? Do you want to do you want to talk about that Rizoma press release that came out? Um, sure. Okay. I'd say the the I I saw it because as Joanne and I talked, I think on ninety seven, I was having some issues with my Revit gear. And uh, I had an issue with the back protector, which um, they didn't get back to me with respect to uh, whether or not I could fix it myself. But they did just say, you know what, send it back to us. Um, glue is not the answer. We want to take a look at it. Mm -hmm. 
So good. Um, Great. That was squared away. And I did have um, some other uh, warranty issues on the uh, Levante, sadly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've owned Revit products for quite some time. Obviously, Joanne and I both own outright um, the oh. uh, Gore-Tex suit from years ago, mm-hmm. the, the Legacy. And uh, we both love that. And actually, both of us, I think we both wear 38s, right? Or at least we both had pretty similar sizing for that. Yes. Um, apart from me having the long. <clears throat> yeah. And, and there is, and believe me when I say that there is never any seam or sewing issues with that pair of pants because I have to sometimes stuff myself in them depending on what kind of winter I had. Um, but, uh, on the Levante jacket, I noticed a couple of seams were coming undone, mm. even after a brief two-week trip. So I reached out to the company and I said, hey, you know, I have a long-standing history with you guys. And I think there might have just been a squirrely run of jackets. So um, I Revit referred me to go back to who I purchased it from. And I purchased it from Revzilla. So Revzilla said, sure, send us the jacket. You know, we'll get things squared away. So Good. I still need to do that. But um, at any rate, uh, so... I'm on a lot of the Revit communication, and when uh, Revit announced that they would be the they're the supplier, correct for Rhizoma um, for North America, mm-hmm. they're now representing. Uh, I forwarded that on to Joanne because, of course, if you remember from a little bit ago, she borrowed a the same bike as she has, the same Triumph, out here in Southern California when she went to the Women's Sport Bike Rally in Big Bear, and she came back from that experience saying, oh my gosh, I have so many farkles I need to add. So I forwarded it to her, and I said, hey, guess what? (laughs) Maybe you can squeeze some farkles out. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of knew about it before you sent it to me, but thank you. I appreciate the (laughs) feedback. Of course. Yeah, yeah, I I, I heard a leak about that already. Uh, Everyone is very excited. We're all very excited about... Well, it probably affects Revzilla. You, will you guys still have Rhizoma parts? Do you still sell Rhizoma parts? Or they just We've never had now? Rhizoma parts. No ah, one has ever had right. Rhizoma parts. No one. And now ah. that Revit's the distributor, everyone's going to get... Right. Now, everybody will get access to Rhizoma parts. So before you had to okay. buy them, I think, directly or through one or two random e-sellers online but there were no dis- there were no websites selling proper distributors you can't right there wasn't a distributor really there wasn't like a big outlet a big company or any com- one company selling them where you could buy them so no Re- revzilla never had it hmm. so everyone's excited i'm excited not till next season because these track days bled us dry. Spent so much money <laughs> on the track days that we did and the traveling that we did. So next year, I will hopefully farkle up. So if you're gonna, if you're interested in farkling up your your sporty bike with some Italian, some fancy Italian parts, yeah. Although I thought Rizoma was French. Am I, I crazy? Italian. I don't know. I think you're right. Uh. I've not really looked at them very closely. Um, but yes, you're right. Made in Italy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of knockoff brands, too, that make similar kind of looking things like Coso. They make some knockoff Rizoma lights. I have them on my bike. You know, 
They're just little LED turn signals. Um, but yeah, I want to say that their corporate office in North America is teeny tiny, and it is out here on the West Coast. It's in LA somewhere. Uh, yep. Actually, Monostrano.com carried Rizoma, uh, but now now that there's a distributor, I'm who knows if that brand will can that company will continue to import. Um, so that should be interesting. Hmm. That's probably where everybody was buying their Rizoma parts. Man, yeah. they're expensive. Ooh. <laughs> I, I'm a wait. That, that I don't need. might also that might also change though. It might also change because the pricing. Yep. With a larger distributor, yep. you're able to uh, a uh, you have more money as being Revit um, in a large company. You have yep. more money that you can put into advertising, and more people hear about Rhizoma, more people want Rhizoma. You can import larger quantities of it and perhaps drive that price down. Otherwise, we're talking, what, 10, 15, 20 units of a part that you're shipping all the way from Italy? That has to be expensive. Yeah, because a Fender Eliminator is like $210. Ooh. I'm just looking at all these fun sparkles. She's, shop- she's shopping so- now. I'm just seeing what's available. I don't need anything. I'm actually, the only thing I need is a 12K service. So that's going to happen very soon here. Uh, Oh, speaking of businesses, um, unfortunately, Moto Guild here in Philly is closing. And I've not heard anything about a replacement. If I had a bunch of money, I might consider opening one. But um, if anyone's looking to start a business in Philly that's motorcycle-related, I'm sure that Philly, I know that Philly could really use a moto guild down here. The That one was actually way out in the suburbs and not as useful to those of us in the city. And uh, I hope, but I hope it comes back. I hope it comes back somehow. But if you're in San Francisco or Chicago, you still have options in the Bay Area or in Chicago. Uh, what else? I, I do want to share a couple articles that I wrote. Uh, well, I wrote one article for a Women ADV Writer magazine, and I did a, a, a little article about dual sport boots and adventure boots for women because there aren't any. There aren't women-specific adventure boots yet. There are women-specific dirt bike boots and off-road boots, but there aren't women's adventure, adventure touring, or dual sport boots. So I gave you a little rundown in this article of different brands that offer smaller sizes for a woman's size 6.5 or so up to a 9, 9.5, 10. Because you have to get to a lady's 10 or so to jump into a lot of men's motorcycle boots. But I also broke down brands that do offer the men's dual sport and adventure boots down to a lady's six and a half, seven TCX Mm. is one of them. They offer a lot of their boots in really small sizes. And I also kind of gave you an overview of what the difference is between a full off-road boot and an adventure boot, because there are some Mm -hmm. comfort differences and some feature differences as well. So check that out on their website. I don't, I don't know if you find this to be an issue, but I would say that if you do see there is a boot that a manufacturer makes that is down to and their male sizing and not female specific, 
and they're down to like the smallest size that they make and you can't seem to find anyone that stocks it anywhere um what i did was i contacted the uh distributor um or you can contact the manufacturer and just ask them how you know what are my chances how do i get to try on this boot which is clearly a men's boot and i'm female to see whether or not it even fits me properly because that was an issue that I had going down to a 38 or a 39 in um, the CD Adventure Gore-Tex, the first version. And I was able to uh, go to the actual um, facility that they had, the, essentially the Costco, the distributing warehouse, and try on this boot because no one would, no one would special order that size to stock it because they couldn't return it. A lot of times you just have to order online and ship it back. Mm-hmm. But that's why Revzilla exists, because you can do a quick and easy ship and return. <laughs> but, yeah, it's hard to find sometimes women-specific options, uh, especially with adventure gear. It's kind of a new gear market that's exploded in the last three to five years. So brands are trying to put out stuff, but I don't. I think a lot of them don't really know how much stuff they should put out or how to, or, or what. I think a lot of them just don't really know. But we'll you post want, a link to that article, so check it out if you're shopping. Um, just really quick before we deviate from the concept of adventure, I'm mm-hmm. totally curious because we have five or six listeners that can give us some feedback. When you think of adventure motorcycling, what comes to mind? Because obviously for me, I've been going on adventures for some time and I've called it adventure motorcycling because I go on an adventure. But I think um, ADV and the adventure motorcycling has kind of evolved into an exclusively uh, off-road experience. And so I'm just kind of curious because sometimes someone will market something as adventure and put it off-road, but then have some street tires. And so it's just kind of like, I think it's a, a bit of a mixed signal thing as far as marketing for adventure. I don't know if anyone can decide whether it is a dirt thing or just a focusing on the exciting journey thing. Well, I guess there's brands that do both. Mm-hmm. You know, there's brands that offer something that just aesthetically appears, gives you the appearance of the adventure boot or, you know, lifestyle boot. And then now, what the, does adventure motorcycling mean to you? Me? I don't. Well, I'm, I'm just saying it's a gem. Not you oh, specifically. Like me? To, to, our, oh. to our six or seven listeners. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everyone has a different, everyone will have a different definition of, uh. I guess how it works for them. For me, adventure motorcycling has always been, here's a map, here's a full tank of gas, here are the keys to a motorcycle, find something, do something fun. Yeah. I think most people might say with dirt, right? Yeah. It's like the immediate kind of reflex is dirt. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would say I've seen a lot of people argue what you've just said is it's just, you know, going to, yeah. Find an adventure. I wouldn't really argue it so much as, you know, if they're just pushing, oh, adventure motorcycling is all off-road. Well, no. I mean, the concept to me is yeah, more of the journey. But at any rate, if you have an opinion, feel free to weigh in 
On our website, we have a contact us page at motorific, as in terrific with an M-O in front, dot com, as well as to either of us on social media, Motorific Media on Instagram. For me, Gear Chick on all social media platforms for Joanne. All right. You had another article, didn't you? Adventure, uh... Oh, that's right. You talked about the boots. Sorry. I did talk about my boots. And then I updated my resources link on my website. So I added like three pages for you. Uh, one new page I wrote was training resources. If you're looking for a list of places to do on-road or off-road training, advanced training, I'm not talking about the MSF class, but I'm talking about stuff after this. So you... You've already taken the MSF class, you've had your license for a year or two or whatever, or you've never taken any advanced training. You only did your class like 20 years ago, but you never bothered to update your training or add to your skill set with some advanced training. I put together a nice list of off-road dirt camps and also uh, on-road street riding classes, including... Uh, intensive track organizations, uh, street riding workshops. Again, we're talking about beyond MSF courses, though, because if you go to msf-usa.org, of course, you're going to see all the classes that they offer, including the experienced riding course, and they even have advanced riding courses. But my list is to address everything outside of that, because there are so many other classes you can take that I think go above and beyond what they would even offer you. Uh, California Superbike School is is one of them. Um, Yamaha Champions Riding School. Um, I think I put Jimmy Lewis's class on there. Uh, Pine Barrens Adventure School. They're up here in New Jersey, and they do dirt riding classes. So just more comprehensive training. You know, if you want to, or if you want to learn something new, like you ride sport bikes, but hey, you want to learn... You know, you want to do some dirt bike riding. I put in Shalina's dirt bike camp there, and she'll teach you how to ride dirt bikes. So I thought that a nice training list would be handy for people who are looking for those resources. So we'll include a link to that. I also updated my custom gear options list too so if you need custom things and you can't wear anything off the rack or you just can't find what you want i also included a list of those resources for you so when you have a chance check them out share them let me know what you think yeah that was my other article well Hopefully you may or may not be impressed by the uh, audio quality of this episode. We're doing a little bit of a test where I also save my own file because as most of our long-term listeners know, Joanne is in Philly. I am in Los Angeles. We are three hours apart. Sometimes that makes for a tough recording session, finding a time that works for both of us, as well as the fact that Joanne's weekends are a Sunday-Monday and mine are a Saturday-Sunday. So, um, the separate, uh, long distance, uh, communication sometimes is dependent upon Wi-Fi and internet and the programs that we use as opposed to other podcasts, which, 
um, you know, lucky for them, they have most of their people in-house and can use one mic and one setup. So thank you for everyone who has hung in there and uh, supported us through all of our audio ups and downs. We really appreciate it. We're not really high tech here. We do have our own tech support, but that's really Joanne. <laughs> we try. We're, you know, we're doing this for free and we're doing this for fun. So, you know, we don't have recording studios. I'm in my closet. Christy's in her <laughs> office. She, you know, uh, we just don't, we're not building resources. So we're kind of making do with what we have. And uh, we, again, we do appreciate that but feedback's always welcome so send messages post things on the facebook page facebook.com slash motorific podcast and put down your comments whether they're good bad or ugly you know at least we'll read them and reply to them we may not be able to fix them but we'll certainly read what you have to say and we'll do our best but we do appreciate hanging in if you do have something good to say about the podcast, we always appreciate feedback on iTunes. So feel free to rate us on iTunes if you've got something good to say. Otherwise, if you uh, have a couple of issues that you want to discuss, feel free to contact us. You can do that at motorific at gmail.com. Why, this sounds like we're closing our show, I think, mm-hmm. now that we gave you all of our info. So we appreciate coming back to us for 99 i i we're gonna have to plan something for 100 since yeah i was gonna say big that. show we'll we'll figure something out and we'll try to get back to you in two weeks not sure what we'll do for you but we'll come up with something fun and exciting um <laughs> yeah it, it we'll might see. take us 13 days to come up with that <laughs> It, it might <laughs> of those of those two weeks it might but i might have something we might have some fun stuff for you so uh, thanks again. Please visit us at motorific.com and on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you get your information. And we'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs>